0: Dream come true. Hello, this is Karen Modokitis and you're listening to How She Really Does It, where inspiration and possibility meet. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for all of us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With the show, now maybe you can see those glimmers coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibilities. Each week I bring on guests who represent these possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and their own uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so that you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really, ask yourself that. Join me each week for inspiration, empowerment, and entertainment. You can connect with me on my website at com. I love getting emails from my listeners. They can also sign up for a Uh, my newsletter that goes out every week and there are links to Facebook and Twitter as long uh, as with all live shows that are taped and on my website or available via iTunes. Adelaide Lancaster and Amy Abrams are the co-founders of in good company, a community-based learning center and co-working space for women entrepreneurs in Manhattan. They are also the co-authors of The big enough company, creating a business that works for you ladies hello and welcome Hi, thanks for, be here. Us. thanks for being here today so we're here because of technology it's great they can be on the East Coast and I can be here and we're all in three different locations I love that um, so I want to talk about women entrepreneurship right in um, Adelaide I think uh, was it and it was something I saw in Huffington Huffington Post about sometimes um, women entrepreneurship is viewed as second class. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes, absolutely. That was the article um, I wrote uh, last year, um, just uh, you know, posing the question about whether you know are are women uh, business owners second class entrepreneurs. Um, and you know, I I think that this is this is part of the uh, reason that we opened our business, and also part of the reason that we uh, wrote the book um, is that uh, you know I think historically uh, there's been too narrow of a definition for entrepreneur, um, and what what is a successful small business? Um, oftentimes, uh, that has included the you know those that get into entrepreneurship for the sport of you know uh, selling the company and building it really quickly, and um, you know they love to start things and then kind of move on. And you know, there's been over the last couple decades a really big shift in terms of the way that people are pr- are employing themselves and. Uh, Starting businesses and growing businesses, and oftentimes, um, you know, there's there's still a little bit of discrepancy in the public about how how these kinds of new businesses are being viewed. Um, So I always respond pretty uh, uh, dramatically to the phrase uh, "lifestyle entrepreneur," or sometimes even more pejoratively, uh, the the phrase "lipstick entrepreneur" is used. Um, And these are these are terms that are usually uh, reserve for businesses that aren't set to scale really big, um, aren't set to grow really fast, and aren't intended to, um, you know, at some point be sold. Um, I- and so I think that as as somebody who works in the field and works with a lot of entrepreneurs, um, the I find that really troubling. Um, I find the phrase <laughs> really troubling, and I find the distinction um, really troubling because I, you know, I just don't think that there needs to be. Um, well, put differently, I, I think that the more people under the, the tent of entrepreneurship, the better. Um, we can learn from all of our peers. Um, and you know, I, I really think that it's important to kind of honor and, and uh, take a look at this new model of entrepreneurship where people are creating long-term and sustainable employment for themselves and really sort of, you know, and, and aim to continue to run their business in 20 or 25 years. Um, and if, especially if they want to do that in a way that works for them as a person and fits with their life, I think that that's um, remarkable. And I think that that's a tremendous success and not something to be, you know, kind of put down.
0: And, and when you talk about sustainable, because sometimes don't people think of lifestyle or women businesses as kind of a hobby, not really as income producing?
1: Absolutely. And I think that this is part of the reason that I wrote that article and that we talk a lot about that because, you know. Um, You know, I really take issue with that. I think that the majority of the women that we work with and the majority of the women that we interviewed for our book, um, The Big Enough Company, are self-supporting. They take their businesses very seriously um, or their businesses contribute significant income to their families, and these are real business ventures. Um, Sometimes they got started in a way that was a little bit of an experiment or started as a hobby and, you know, kind of grew into a business. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think that there needs to be this, you know, hard-line distinction. Are you a real business or are you not a real business? Um, I just don't, I don't think that it's helpful for people who are looking, um, you know, who are deciding what direction they want to go and how do they want to build a business over time that works for them. Um, you know, and more and more of us these days are interested in our everyday satisfaction we're not willing to put in, you know, grueling hours at a firm that we don't care about for some gold watch in 50 years from now. That's just not the way that our culture works anymore. And so, you know, it just is, it feels outdated to me that there's, um, you know, a, a kind of negative connotation to, in, you know, when you look at entrepreneurs who are building their business to, to suit themselves and to suit their lifestyle. Um, I, I think that that doesn't really fit with what's going on in our country these days.
0: What do you mean? It's not fitting with what's going on in our country these days.
1: Well, I just mean that uh, more and more people are pursuing, are wanting to create long-term uh, employment for themselves. That's really that's meaningful, that's satisfying, that's challenging, and that they have control over. And if they do that by employing themselves, by starting a business, um, you know, that's a really tremendous model, and that's a really, you know, I think more and more people are doing that rather than just considering, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, somebody who. Who start something to grow it big and, and to then sell it. Um, we have, you know, obviously significant unemployment right now, uh, you know, in our country, but yet the, the numbers of entrepreneurs has been growing, you know, sort of exponentially over the last couple decades, and I think a lot of that is due in part to both the economy and also just dissatisfaction with the other employment options out there, you know, so people are sort of taking matters into their own hands and creating work that works for them, and that's you know, meaningful and challenging and I think that that's great and it helps to really broaden this definition of what is an entrepreneur, what does success mean,
0: you know, all those kinds of things. You know, your guys' book is great because it's really inspirational. You take real life stories and you show all the different possibilities, right? I'm about possibilities, as I said in the intro, and how different people, whether some people want to have higher employees, some people have decided they would like to be the solopreneur and run their business that way, and it works for them, and they can build a sustainable business and do that. Um, what, What do you say to those people that are listening right now going, well, that's great. I'm in a job that I don't like. This is what I would really like to do. But I have a secure job, and I don't think I can leave. Good
2: question. This is Amy speaking. Um, I think that, you know, this, what, what Adelaide sort of on the heels of what Adelaide was talking about is that, you know, we used to live in a time where starting your own business was involved a tremendous amount of risk versus the stability of a corporate job. And I think that that's really no longer... Um, The reality, I think, in many ways, there's no stability in, or, or, or very little stability, having a job working for someone else, based on the fact that we, you know, the economic climate is is such that there's been tremendous layoffs, there's high unemployment, and a lot of companies can be very fickle, and there's not necessarily a sense of loyalty if you know their numbers aren't being met. Um, but that being said, so of course there is some risk in starting your own business, but we're pretty big fans of mitigating that risk by doing a lot of homework and being thoughtful about um, starting a business before you take the plunge. And, and one key area is to make sure that you have um, enough capital, that you have enough money to actually start that business and run that business and support yourself. So those are three different um, pockets. You need to really be thoughtful about what would it take to start this business. For some people, if it's, you know, opening a retail concept, then there's a lot of um, startup costs involved. For other people, it could be a consulting practice where they can work from home. So their startup costs might be, you know, just a a computer and, you know, and a website and all of that. But then there's, you know, the question of, what, what's it going to take to run this business for six months to a year? Because it's not necessarily just because you set up shop. It doesn't mean that people are going to be banging down <laughs> your door for business. That's the hope, and in time, hopefully that will happen. But, of course, there's, you know, it takes some time to build momentum. So then you have to be very realistic about what would, what would the daily operational cost be to run the business you know, for, six, for at least six months to a year. And then the final nut is, well, if there's you know, this time be- between six months and a year where I'm getting going, I might not be bringing home any income. So what kind of money reserves do I have to have to support myself and or my family? So those are three, you know, things to ri- in, in the money realm to think about um, very um, strategically and thoughtfully before you make that jump. But that doesn't mean it's not possible. It just might, might be, okay, I can do this in the next year or the next 18 months if I do, you know, save and I'm, I'm thoughtful and I think about, you know, what it would take to make this happen.
1: So. And I think this is Adelaide, just adding to Amy's point, you know, uh, we've worked with um, you know hundreds of people and talked to lots of people who uh, really look for ways to experiment with what their idea is before they get started. And I think that this is a great way to test the waters, right? Because, I mean, working for yourself is a completely different ball game than working for someone else. You're all of a sudden responsible for yourself, which is a totally, that's a double-edged shor- sword, <laughs> you know, to say the least. So. Um, you know, I, I think that there are ways to start small, um, and I think that there are ways to experiment. Um, lots of the businesses that we uh, profile in the book um, were things that, that did start, uh, you know, start either as a weekend project or, hey, I have an interest in this, and, and it would behoove me to start building momentum in the industry that I'm interested in starting a business. So people weren't, o- they didn't always know where where they were going to go or what it was going to turn into. But they really followed their interests and they followed their passions, um, you know, and they started, you know, so one example that comes to mind is a, a woman who's had a, a, dry, pa- a dry mix uh, soup company for 25 years, and she had kids at home and wanted a way to bring in some extra income and, um, you know, s- knew that she would like to be involved. She had been a caterer and she wanted to be more involved in the food industry. And so her question to herself was, you know, could I get a certain number of these made and just participate in some fall markets, you know, one year? Um, and so she gave herself a project, and she was able to, um, you know, she was got a ton of feedback from customers. She was able to see what sold, what didn't. She learned about, you know, what what it was like to manage herself in this kind of project. Um, and then, you know, I mean, it's turned into a remarkable business, um, but, you know, I think it's important for people not to be afraid to experiment, start small. You don't need to, um, you know, turn in your, <laughs> turn in your resignation and, and launch a huge venture the next day. Uh, I think that that's a really daunting and, and intimidating um, choice if we, if we think that's our only option.
0: This is Karen Mordokitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It. My guests today are Amy Abrams and Adelaide Lancaster and the author they are the co-authors of The Big Enough Company. So, it's it seems to me that a few years ago, you know, there was a lot of stuff about leap, take the leap, jump, you know, go to entrepreneurship, do this when times were good. And now people are getting seem to be a little bit more conservative or maybe, you know, they get forced out to go into entrepreneurship because they have a job loss and And so it's like, okay, now's the time that I need to do something. Um, But how um, it seems to be that if people can put together some, I guess I heard recently here, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. Apologize. Um, I'd heard recently and I thought it was great advice. You know, if you can get like a certain amount of savings set aside and Amy kind of referred to this, right? And um, and this one piece was like two years of savings. That way you have the money. And maybe this isn't realistic for everybody, but I thought for maybe somebody more conservative, for somebody like me, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because then I have this cushion and I can give myself that time and that space to grow versus going, I have to have money tomorrow or next week or next month. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's a woman that we work with who runs, um, and her business is a consulting business. So, you know, other people may have taken a di- totally different approach because she actually had quite low overhead when she started, but she knew that it was going to take some time to um, cultivate a client base, and you know, it takes a lot of pounding of the pavement in the beginning. Um, so she runs a financial consulting firm called Down to Earth Finance, and she, uh, she, for her she put aside um, a year's worth of mortgage payments before, you know, so she stayed in her job probably a year longer than she wanted to after she already had the idea of, worked on, you know, doing the research and making contacts and, you know, kind of getting her name out there in a, in a small way. Um, but that whole time she was sucking away a year of mortgage payments, right? Because that was, for her, that was the comfort litmus test. Where, and especially being a financial expert, she didn't want to put herself in, uh, financial jeopardy, you know mm-hmm. starting a business trying to t- tell other people how to manage their finances, so um you know I, there's a lot you know unfortunately the the way that it is is that people have to fund their own businesses for the most part um and so you know starting a I mean, in my opinion, starting a business is um you know challenging enough you know, there's enough to figure out um and it, it's made all the more complicated if you're worried about your own financial security at the same time. Um, So, certainly, that isn't always what people want to hear because they would love to just, you know, ditch the job and and strike out on their own tomorrow. Um, But I think through, you know, experimentation and taking small steps you can feel like you're making that progress and it doesn't feel like, you know, this dream deferred, you know, off, you know, years and years, um, but at the same time you can be saving and and doing what you need to to prepare and, and to be, you know, financially secure.
0: With working with the entrepreneurs that you guys do, how long does it do you see it take people to start? I mean, I call it ground zero, to start from the very bottom. You know, to build their business.
2: I think it really just depends. I think it depends a lot on what kind of business that they have, um, what kind of um, growth that they're looking to have. Um, I think that there's what we found is there's a lot of people that. are deliberate in starting small, um, but then they sometimes are, you know, they have this idea and they, you know, sort of set up shop, but they sometimes are afraid to tell too many people about it because they may not have perfected their craft or their product. And so they're reluctant to tell lots of people about what they're doing. And um, in the book, we talk about this, that we think that just the opposite, that you should use your community, and you should use your networks in order to actually um, refine and perfect what it is that you are offering because that feedback is incredibly useful um, doing things in your head um, sometimes is not great <laughs> sometimes you may think um that you have you know that you have all the ideas, but that you really do need to get some feedback. Um, in terms of what the customer may really want. And sometimes that's by actually having a customer and then, you know, asking them for feedback or doing an evaluation of the service or the product that you offered. But I think that, you know, the timing, you know, for some people, it can take them a few weeks to get started, and other people, you know, it may be six months till they really feel that they, you know, ha- their business has some um, some momentum. So I, I think it varies, but I think the important thing to remember is not to sort of stay at home hiding and not tell people what you do you should enlist the support of others and you know that can be in the form of social media that can be the form uh, you know of communities that are in person but it's really it's really helpful to connect with other business owners and connect with potential clients to really help perfect what you will be offering
1: and this is Adelaide. Um, I think that we generally see for people that the first two years are very different from the from the rest of the life of the venture because during those you know first two years and it might not take you know that long to be fully um, you know solvent and solid and growing and all that kind of stuff but you know your first year you're just sort of figuring things out and the second year is really when you have the opportunity to um, note any patterns. You know, hey, did this happen last fall for my business? Oh, guess what? Everybody disappears during the summer or, you know, or, wha- whatever it, whatever it is. Um, so I, I usually, um, I think that there's sort of an uptick in, in confidence um, after two years. Um, but I think that the, you know, we're often asked, you know, how do you know if you're successful in the beginning? Um, and, you know, certainly you can always measure that with revenue or, you know, net profits. Um, We would also encourage measuring that by, you know, how satisfied you are and and, um, how much you're enjoying the experience. But another way to think about that um, is how much are you learning? Because, uh, you know, as Amy's talking about, there's so much to be gained in the beginning. Um, You know, sort of when you are an entrepreneur, you're in the business of not knowing things. (laughs) You know, so you you need to... um, Uh, fail, you know, not in a major way, but you need to be wrong a lot um, in order to know how to be right. Um, And you need to be, uh, you know, trying things, learning, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And so if you're, you know, spending the beginning of your time when you're, whether, you know, it still feels like in the experimental stage or whether you've, you know, officially made it a business, um, if you feel like you, know everything you probably don't um and you know so i think that it's interesting to think about that that early time and ask yourself you know how much am i learning be prepared to be learning a lot if you don't feel like you're learning enough um you know find ways as amy was saying to um harness a lot of feedback really leverage your community um because it's that learning that'll happen in the first couple of years that will really set you up for a solid um, future, you have a lot more insight about your customer and the market and the industry and um, and your own experience as an entrepreneur too.
0: In your book, um, "The Big Enough Company: Creating a Business That Works for You," you guys have a lot of questions, and I love them. I thought they were so great. Why did you put so many questions in the book for the reader? Do
1: you want to take this one, Amy, or you want me to? Sure.
2: Sure, this is Amy talking. um you know, I think that if we if we step back, um it might be helpful to just share a little bit of insight in sort of how Adelaide and I approach entrepreneurship. um both of us have training in counseling psychology, and so we really look to the person and to help that person facilitate their own best path um and especially as that applies to the business that they're creating and so you know, we really believe that there's not a one-size, you know, fits-all approach to advice for a business. You know, it's, it's incredibly important when um, thinking about um, how to advise a business that you're very clear in understanding what that person behind the business is looking to get for the business and what their goals are for the business. And so as opposed to writing a book that was saying, do this, do that, we wanted to explore topics, explore things that we were explore themes, showcase lots of different ways that people were doing it, and then leave the reader with an opportunity to really ponder, how does this apply to me? You know, what's meaningful to me? What do I want for my business? So we thought it was really important to, you know, not make the reader think of these questions themselves, but to sort of point out, you know, here's what we talked about. Now how is that relevant to you? You know, how do you apply the different things you've read about, the different people you've read about, the different ideas swimming in your head? How do you then filter that down to yourself so that it can apply to your business? And we really wanted the the reader to feel engaged and to really feel like we were speaking to them and there was an opportunity for them to really answer those questions, you know, through sort of the opportunity of seeing some other other
3: people's answers.
0: Yeah, no, I thought they were, they were great questions that m- really made you think. And I also appreciate the fact, you know, Amy, that you said that it's not just this checklist, right? You need to do this, then this, then this. And I think a lot of times, and tell me where I'm wrong, is that we want to have this checklist. Do this, and this will happen. Do this, and this will happen. And I don't believe from what I know about entrepreneurship and me doing being an entrepreneur, that that is actually true. There's not necessarily these direct outcomes from this process. Tell me where I'm wrong.
1: No, absolutely. And I, this is Adelaide. I, I think that, um, I mean, you've hit on sort of like the central conundrum of, of most entrepreneurs is that um, none of us, we are entrepreneurs. None of us want to be told what to do, right? That's why we are entrepreneurs, yet we get into the land of the unknown, and we're all of a sudden like, oh, man, I'm totally clueless. Like, now now what do I do? Now where do I go? What's the right thing? Um, and you see this all the time. You know, I, I always chuckle at advice columns, um, business advice columns, you know, because somebody will write in with, you know, three sentences, and my business is that, this, and, you know, that has happened in the market, and I'm considering that. What should I do? And, you know, the answer... Um, it sort of puts the answer in such a hard hard place, but the answer is always so definitive. You know, it says, oh, you know, that it would be great, or, you know, you should explore this kind of partnership, or you should explore this market or this, you know, this plan. Um, and I, you know, uh, sort of nodding, giving a nod to what Amy was saying in terms of our background, I mean, we need to know so much information about people before we're able to Give any advice, you know. That's how we really get the full context and the and the full picture, um, you know. But th- but that's you know, it's time consuming and it, and it takes a lot of time for people to think and, and be comfortable with all the answers to the questions, you know, that we pose in the book. And and the truth is that the answers to those questions may change over time, and that's great. Um, but what you know, what's really important to us is that people are thinking about it that way. That they know, um, as much as I want a checklist, as much as I want somebody to give me the answer. Um, I'm really confident that um, that I require a unique answer. You know that I that that something that you know worked for somebody else may not work for me, and so therefore I'm not going to just sort of blindly vo- follow advice that I'm given. We uh, we tell people all the time to solicit as as much you know advice and feedback as they can, um, but then the point is not to just then you know kind of blindly follow it. You know it's great to get input. Um, you definitely don't want to be in a silo. You definitely don't want to have Blinders on during this process, um, but you need to come with a you know healthy amount of self self awareness in order to be able to kind of measure that uh, measure all that input and, and know which one which pieces apply to you. Um, but I don't know as as adept as that as you may be or as experienced as that as you may be. I don't know that we ever give up that feeling of like, oh, wouldn't it be really nice if it just was pretty clear cut and it had <laughs> a formula you could follow and you know, I mean, and, and every time we experience this as well, every time we enter a new phase of our business, um, certainly around, you know, writing, uh, writing a book and promoting a book and all that kind of stuff where we do the same thing. We say, well, what should we do now? And what are the right steps? And um, how do you do this? And how do you make this successful? And there's never an answer. Um, and that can be frustrating, but it's also, it's a blessing, <laughs> you know, because it makes you think for, for yourself and really take into account what your own goals are.
0: Well, and it sounds like, I mean, cause one of the things that I work when I work with clients, it's about like asking the great question. And when you're, you know, looking at writing your book or doing the work, you're asking a lot of questions to come up with the answer instead of, well, you should do this or you should do it this way. I mean, how do we know we should do it? We're, we're trying, I mean, I, and I think about like in parenting, right? We all want kind of the manual, like what's, what's going to guarantee success, in parenting, we ha- we ha- and everybody has a different meaning of what success successful parenting is, but you know how can we? And parents want to know the right answer. Like, okay, if I do this, will this happen? You know, and and even when we figure out how to make something work with our kids, I remember when my kids were really young, and I was like, yes, I finally figured it out. The next day, they would totally change. They would totally change, and I'd be like, come on. <laughs>
1: And you know, we we um, had a really wonderful conversation with a group of women uh, uh, earlier. Was it earlier this week? I'm, I'll turn around. Yeah, it was earlier this week. And we, you know, there's a lot to. There are a lot of comparisons to be drawn between parenthood um, and entrepreneurship. Um, there's definitely some distinctions, you know, because your business uh, your business is for you. You can manipulate it how you want to. You know, at, at some point, you, you know, it's important to recognize that children are their own people. <laughs> you know, so you can't, you might not actually have the same control over your children as you do your business. However, um, there's, you know, and, and what something that you said was so important is that um, as parents, our definition of success is, is different. And that's just as true for, um, you know, being an entrepreneur as well. And that's something that we Talk to people a lot about you know what it what is it that you want to get out of this? What why are you doing it in the first place? Um, You know what does satisfaction look like to you? What does success look like to you? Um, Because you know you need to have that information in order to prescribe anything or even to have you know a meaningful um, conversation. But you know in the same way that parenting books don't take into account what your own definition of success is, and they also don't take into account you know your kid's particularities. So they swear by you know some ritual or routine mm-hmm. and then you're like yeah but my kid just screams when I do that <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's never you know uh, the, I think that parents are, are uniquely um, qualified to be entrepreneurs and, and vice versa because a lot of the same lessons are baked into both experiences
0: This is Karen Modechitis and you're listening to How She Really Does It My guests today are Adeline Lancaster and Avery, Amy Abrams, author of the Big enough company, so when you guys just were talking about that, I had like kind of an epiphany. Um, in, in our society, um, you know, we, we are taught you have to do this, you have to go to college, and um, you know, and this, these are the steps that you need to take, right? If you're if, and especially for women, you need to be a good girl, get good grades so you can go to good college, so you can get a good job, and you know, be happy the rest of your life. And I call that the lie, but, anyways, um. And it sounds to me like with, you know, so we kind of have this conditioning of these are the things that are going to bring us happiness. And then, but what entrepreneurship is, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's not being told what to do. It's about listening to what you want. Because when, when I went to university and when I went and got my graduate school, nobody ever said, well, what is it that you want to do? This is what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. I was always told what to do. And, and, and from you guys what i 'm learning is it 's about asking the question, "What is it that I want? How much do I want to work what kind of an, what kind of a um, a workplace do I want to create and that sounds to me very different absolutely
2: I mean and I think that that 's really the opportunity of entrepreneurship and I think that you know when, when we were working with so many um, really interesting dynamic entrepreneurs, we found that there was this Um, you know, a couple years into their business, there was some sense of disenchantment. And um, from our perspective, we thought, well, wait a minute, you're in the driver's seat. You can change this so you can be happier. You can be more satisfied. You can get more from your business. And that's really, I think, you know, fundamentally the purpose of the book is to really help people um, connect with the different questions and, and themes that you were just talking about, remembering why you started this looking at your business and saying, does my business support this, making sure you do what you do best in the business, having a clear sense of what you want your business to be known for, and really, you know, sometimes in the day-to-day grind of putting out fires and getting new business, and, you know, you don't have a chance to step back, but but you may feel this sense of, like, I'm happy, but I could be happier, and that's really our hope, that people sort of read the book, and they sort of reconnect with, with this opportunity, and they reconnect with Um, why they ventured out in the first place, and they get more from their experience of being a business owner.
0: Well, and one of the – go
2: ahead. So this is Adelaide. I was just going to
1: weigh in that I think that it's very um, hard. (laughs) I think the question that you posed, I think that it's very hard to make that shift. Um, And, you know, this is one of the benefits of sort of the day and age that we're in is that a lot of people are – um, you know, very interested in self-actualization, um, interested in self-awareness, and, uh, you know, the coaching world has really helped to, you know, bring a lot of this, um, you know, to light that, you know, uh, you know, the sort of inside-out approach, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not all about what I'm told to do and following the rules, but maybe it's more about, you know, deciding the rules for myself or deciding the goal for myself and then, you know, creating a system, or, you know, around that, you um, But certainly, I think that you know that's that's a that's a life philosophy. I mean, that's that's how we approach business. It's it's certainly also how we approach life and parenting and all that kind of stuff. But I think that it's a it's a hard habit to break um, because you know what you what you were saying and suggesting that conditioning that we've all received is is very um, strong. (laughs) But I think you know it's um, the more areas of your life that you can you can sort of turn that switch and realize that it's not about what somebody else is defining for you. Um, but more what you want for yourself um, and that can look any way that you want and it could you know it could be anything um, but it's you know I don't think that it's ever I don't think it's an easy thing just even if you know
0: it to be true well and that's what I, I mean again I loved about your book because when you guys and you're talking about it here how do we measure success right because I think for so long our conditioning has been oh we measure success by how much you make what is your net worth what is your job title Right. It was kind of all this exterior stuff. And it was like, okay, because I used to believe that once I get to this, I'll be happy. Once I achieve this, I'll be happy, you know, or even Adelaide and I were talking. We're both swimmers. We were former swimmers. And I remember thinking, oh, once I make junior nationals, you know, then I'll be somebody. Once I become a national champion, then and it was like, well, I'm a national champion and my life is still the same nothing is different
2: this is amy talking i think that you know delayed gratification it's like you know sort of the way that we were brought up you know Mm -hmm. that was like you know that idea that you work 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 and then you retire and then you travel you know so it's this is sort of like a cultural phenomenon and we're very big into this idea that it's more about satisfaction you know in the now like how you can on a daily basis um you know construct um a work and and in your life, in a way in which that and there's a lot of you know overlap in in, in enjoying your work and and having a life that's um, a lifestyle that's meaningful and makes sense to you and and entrepreneurship really can allow you to do that can really help you sort of on a daily basis feel satisfied, feel a sense of success and and like what you're saying as opposed to it being when I hit this mm-hmm. level when I make this amount of money, it could be more about i'm successful because I get to do what I like to do every day. I get to do it on my own terms and I get to support myself and I have things outside of work that are meaningful to me that I get to enjoy as well i mean that that sounds pretty awesome right
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I think that um, you know th- something
1: that's so interesting and ironic is that uh, is how prevalent this exists even in the world of uh, entrepreneurship right so the the questions in terms of, or, you know, the thought of, oh, once I have this, then then I'll be happy, or I should be happy because I'm making this, and I work for this blue-chip company, and um, I've had this great experience, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. That, um, in some way, that makes sense to me when I think of, you know, um, not that I subscribe to it, but I understand why that is so pervasive um, when you think of more traditional employment, um, you know, kind of environments however when 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 I think about entrepreneurship, and I'm like these are all you know people who have gone out on their own they're they're wanting to create their own destiny they want to do it their own way they're um you know they don't fit into that paradigm, but to see how pervasive that those same thoughts are even within our industry, it's like oh my goodness some way you know as as humans we're just <laughs> you know we're we're built we're built this way or we're having that we're all having this struggle in 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 some regard um because, you know, really our industry of entrepreneurs or, our, or the industry of small business is just a, a collected, assorted, you know, random group of people who are determined to do it in their own way, yet the advice that we're peddled very often or the um, messages that we hear still reinforce, a, you know, a standard, a one thing to kind of strive for. Um, and you know, oftentimes that does have to do with money. Other times, it ha- it may be just around you know selling your company or having more employees or more locations or you know what have you. Um, you know, so it's just interesting that even even amongst people who have opted out of you know other environments um, for a variety of reasons, um, we still we still look for that standard or we still have to struggle with what does that standard mean um, and, and, you know, struggle to reject it and say, no, actually I'm going to define success for myself.
0: It's, isn't it hard to turn out the out, turn off the outside influences and learn to trust ourselves?
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's, again, this is another irony of entrepreneurship is that, um, it's very hard to do that. Yet your survival also, you know, your survival, um, and your, your ability to succeed, no matter your definition of success, relies on your ability to pull in as much information <laughs> as possible and shut out as much information as possible. Um, because, you know, it's, it's incredibly hard um, as an entrepreneur to, to act in a, in a um, vacuum or to live in isolation. And you just you're, you're, That is a recipe for disaster. You're not going to understand your clients well. You're not going to understand your market well. Um, you certainly are going to be reinventing the wheel all the time, <laughs> you know, that th- you're going to learn every lesson the hard way if you are isolated and shutting out all the voices. Um, at the same time, you can't take what everybody says, you know, at face value and just implement without doing the hard work yourself to try to figure out what is, what is best for me, um, because that's also, <laughs> you know, a recipe for disaster. Um, so again, it's, you know, it's you know
3: that is where entrepreneurs
0: really need to um be very thoughtful you know one of the things and this is an area that I struggle with even though I know better I understand it intellectually but it's that implementation you were talking about is when you guys talk about you know do I you know working um how much do I want to work how much you know how do I want to shape my life and it's probably my old swimming background, probably because I, you know, I'm half Asian and I was raised by my tiger mother who I love dearly, but you know, it was just this, the situation that I occurred in. It was like, you have to work harder to be successful. You have to work harder. Right. And I, and I get really, I can go that way very subconsciously. And for me, I, I feel like I have to be very conscious about making those decisions because my natural go-to instinct is oh well if I want this to work out well I must work harder at it I must do more work and then I go well and then all of a sudden you know my other side will catch me and go well is that really true is that what I is that going to be more beneficial like I, I now I stop and I question myself but before I used to be in an automatic mode um so, do you find working with entrepreneurs that they have this belief that oh, they have to work harder if they want to be successful or if they want to have a sustainable business?
2: Adelaide, what's the great quote that was on our Facebook page yeah. about? <laughs> well, this was one of
1: uh, one of our Huffington Post articles, uh, right. In, in right. which I'm, you know, extolling the benefits of being an entrepreneur, and you know, it's just. Um, you know, this is an opportunity that anybody can have and, and you can have everything you want kind of, you know, attitude. And somebody, one of the comments was, I, just, I can't get over it, it's so funny. Um, they said, yes, you know, totally agree. The best thing about being an entrepreneur is that you get to choose which 18 hours out of the day you work. <laughs> and, I mean,
2: it's... Sums I, it up. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <So> <laughs> we, we can't. you know, we laugh about that all, all the time because, you know, as as an entrepreneur and also as a author of the article i was um you know like damn he's right <laughs> you know but but at the same time that's really funny but that's you know really not funny at the same time you know it's terrible um i think you know again it, this is this is another area where this is actually why a lot of people do not um Work well for themselves, and there's, you know, there's certainly a certain number of people who try to embark on whatever venture, and it may be that the venture is totally successful, but they don't like managing themselves because they aren't great at enforcing these boundaries. Um, but even the, and you know, you started the question with even though you know better, we all know better, um, you know, and at the same time, we're we're all very vulnerable to um, burnout and and overworking ourselves, and I think that this happens for a number of reasons. Um, You know, one, most entrepreneurs are doing something that they care a lot about. It's a lot easier to turn off and to say, you know, I'm done with work. I'm not going to look at my phone or I'm just going to come home and, you know, chill out um, if you don't like what you do. (laughs) But when you like what you do, it's, uh, you know, those boundaries are really blurry and they, you know, get all tangled into your um, personal life or, you know, you (laughs) may sit down to read the newspaper, but you end up finding that you're reading the things that are about work and then you're thinking about work. And, you know, I mean, so... It's very hard when you care about what you do that um, you know to, to kind of inf- you know enforce that boundary, and then it's really hard to manage ourselves when we don't have expectations set out for us. You know, so um, you know, sort of the definition of burnout is usually the, this gap between our expectations, you know, and what's actually possible. But the problem for most entrepreneurs is that we have very little. Um, uh, it's very hard to set realistic expectations. I mean, we're doing things that nobody has done before, or that we haven't done before. You know, so it's you know we're always playing this game of of setting goals and challenging ourselves, and then you know reality kind of sits in, and or we realize you know hey actually that that wasn't possible. Um, but I think that you know there's several things, and Amy and I can you know kind of both speak to them. But there's several things because I think. You know, this is a a really, really critical area for entrepreneurs um, to get right, and it's, you know, sort of the same concept as uh, work-life balance. If you like that phrase or don't like that phrase, you know, either way, it's the same concept that you're never going to get it totally right, but it's something that you should be, um, you know, very conscious of and and cognizant of. Um, I think our sort of the thing that has been most helpful you know, to me personally, and also to a lot of our clients, is just sort of reframing what our time is um, worth—not necessarily in mm-hmm. dollar dollar wise—but you know, um, looking at our t- our own time and our own energy as a commodity, um, and thinking, you know, hey, entrepreneurship—I mean, whatever business you start, it's not it's not going to be short lived. Um, hopefully not, right? That's not the most people's goal, and it's you've got a a good journey ahead of you, and your energy and your time and your enthusiasm and your ability to work, um, those are all very, very precious commodities. And so, sure, when we're trying to get somewhere, reach some goal, we could just, you know, work harder. But I think that when you can kind of appreciate at what cost that is, um, you know, what are the costs to overworking, what are the costs to burnout, what are the costs to – you know, sort of never turning off, then you can, you know, sort of see long-term what the negative impact of that might be. I mean, you may give up on your business a lot earlier. You may be completely unhappy. Um, You may, I mean, there's so many things that, uh, bad that can come of that. Um, And so I think that, you know, if you can appreciate your time instead of just saying, like, oh, it's just my time, you Mm -hmm. know, oh, I'll just, you know, oh, I'll just check this email, oh, I'll just, you know, work uh, until o'clock tonight or whatever it is um, so if you can you know kind of appreciate your time differently or you know and and the long-term value of that um, I think that it's a little bit easier to uh, enforce some of those boundaries or or change those patterns
0: and you know I, I I like how you guys always ask questions and I've talked about this already but um, because then one of the things about working harder is that you, when, when you guys ask questions with your clients in the book, um, you know, well, what is, how do you want to shape it or how do you want to spend your time, right? Because so often we look at the dollar as a, as a form of measurement, but how much time do we have and is this is this time that we're spending on X, right, really converting to something that we want and really looking at that. Or is it just creating us to feel like, oh, well, I'm being productive, you know, and I'm being busy, but maybe the design aspect isn't coming in, and that's where my strength is. Um, How do you guys come up with such great questions?
2: Years of asking them. (laughs) 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 I think, you know, I think what's been so exciting about um, our work is that we have had the opportunity to... Certainly facilitate and to teach, but we learn a lot as well from you know the women that we come into contact with, um, and I think that when we hear of how someone's doing something that's interesting, or when we and during our interviews, when people would tell us like really insightful things, it would we would usually turn around and ask ourselves questions about our business. So I think it's a real give and take. Um, I think some of it's just you know the way in which we're curious, and the way in which we sort of view the world, and the way in which we you know believe in in how. You know, people can take advantage of entrepreneurship, but I I really do think it's just from, you know, having this exposure to this incredible and dynamic pool of entrepreneurs over the past 10 years. um, And we just sort of, we we would come across a question that we would get an interesting answer to, and then we'd ask the next person, and they'd have a really different answer, so we just kept asking it. So there seemed to be a (laughs) couple of of questions that really um, came to the surface that would really um, engage people and and give a pretty interesting um, start to a conversation.
0: And when, when you're working with people about creating sustainable ways to work and sustainable, interesting ways, what are some of the keys to creating sustainable businesses?
1: Um, so the way that we, that we think about sustainable is that um, you should, you should it be your goal <laughs> to have a business for the long haul, that you have the, um, the energy, the enthusiasm, uh, you know, to do that and to pursue that. Um, sustainable for us so you know so some of it is what we were just talking about in terms of you know preventing um, burnout and uh, you know sort of being mindful of uh, the marathon you know in, instead of the sprint um, so I think that having a more holistic view of um, where you want this business to go and uh, the fact that you can't you know there really is no such thing as overnight success and, um, <laughs> thank you, know, you all that you know, <laughs> it's, it's, there just there isn't you know but but Nevertheless, we uh, we you know we're on. We can all get on that treadmill, you know, and put it up to level ten and be running as fast as we can, you know, thinking that it just might make a difference. Um, so you know, I think that that really encouraging people to have a more holistic view, um, uh, you know, and a long term perspective um, helps to build helps them to set up a sustainable structure for themselves and a, and a sustainable. Um, you know, kind of framework, framework, right, their pra- their daily practices, et cetera. Um, but I think that, you know, sort of beyond that, another piece that we introduce um, in the way that we think and, and in the book is, um, the uh, you, you know, an entrepreneur's ability to have a business or a venture um, that changes over time. And this is part of what I think makes a business really sustainable, is that if you have <laughs> your own answers to a lot of the questions that we ask, um, and if you, you know, have your finger on the pulse of what you want and um, you know, how you're uh, enjoying spending your time and where your business is going and all that kind of stuff, you, you, know, you can take your business in any kind of direction, no matter how your needs or goals or life, et cetera, may change. Um, and I think that what makes a lot of businesses unsustainable is that people start a business And they grow the business in the way that you might expect that particular business to be grown. And then, you know, meanwhile, their own their own lives are changing. Um, Maybe they move. Maybe they have a family. Maybe whatever it is. Um, And this, you know, we become uncreative or, (laughs) you know, uh, wedded to the way that we had set out to build this business. And so they don't necessarily um, adapt their business along with their lives. Um, And the gulf between business and the person can end up being very large and I think that that's what makes it you know part in part makes the business pretty unsustainable right because if you end up five years down the line running a business that worked for you five years ago but it doesn't work for you at all now chances are you're not all that excited about that business anymore um, so we talked to a lot of people in the book who had been incredibly creative and um, you know really innovative in the way that they've uh, grown and sort of transformed or evolved their businesses over time to, to mirror their own needs. And so I think that there's a, r- a real, um, I think that that's a, a big key to sustainability because they're still with their ventures 20 years later, and their ventures look pretty different than they did in the beginning, but they um, were kind of wise enough or, you know, <laughs> quickly learned uh, to, to keep adapting their businesses because they
0: really wanted to hang on to them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Karen Modokitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It. My guests today are Amy Abrams and Adelaide Lancaster, and then the co-authors of The Big Enough Company. And so, ladies, what are a couple takeaways that our listeners can take today about women in entrepreneurship? What are important takeaways, do you think, for them?
2: I think that, well, this is Amy here, I think one of the most important um, takeaways is just that there's so many different ways to be an entrepreneur there's so many different models of how to have a business and how to grow a business and I think that um, it's really it's really an exciting process and that you know people should try really hard to forge their own path um, and and really see all the possibilities sort of back to um, your original, your original points is really, you know, that there's, there's so many different possibilities in how you can create a business um, that works for you and that that's the thing that you should be truest to yourself and, and follow the path and, and create a business that really um, is best for you and, you know, tune out some of that noise, definitely learn from a lot of different people, um, but at the same time, ultimately, you know, create something um, that's meaningful to you.
1: I w- this is Adelaide. I would I would say in addition to that, um, you know, another thing is that it's you know, in a sense, it's never too late, right? So I think that um, I, we don't ever mean to set up another standard of you know, well, here here's a great way to always have a business that's perfect for you. Um, that's the goal, and here and we've provided a lot of example and guidance and structure about how to do that, but. Even the best of us, all of us get off track. All of us have those moments where our business isn't quite working. That's how we know to adapt it, you know, in part. Um, so it's never really too late. If you're feeling stuck in your business or in your um, job or whatever, if you're feeling stuck in any w- way, that's great data. That's um, that's great, um, you know, motivation for you to re- to look at things and think about, well, how can I change this to better work for me? Um, so there's, you know, there's... All the women that we talked to for the book that are um, included, they didn't always have it right um, either. We don't always have it right. Nobody ever, you know, always has it right. Um, So it's really never too late to um, do the work that uh, might be needed to make your business um, more of what you want and deliver the rewards that
0: you're looking for. Those are both great takeaways because people could get in their own way and say, oh, well, I didn't do it this way, so I might as well give up or... Um, this is the only way to do it, and that doesn't feel right to me, so I shouldn't do it, but both of those takeaways are great, so thank you so much, ladies. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being on the show today, Amy and Adelaide. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is Corinne Modokitis, and you've been listening to How She Really Does It. My guests today were Amy Abrams and Adelaide Lancaster, and their book is The Big Enough Company.
3: Is lifting, she's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming, she is drifting. Never been so wide away. Captured in- Saves her money, grabs her backpack, hops a jet plane, heads to France, grows a garden, writes a screenplay, and she's learning.